We can do that almost teleporting with podcasts. And that's the other thing that podcasts are. And I don't know if we're going to be able to find a way to preserve them long enough, but just like writing, it's time travel for thoughts. Benton. Yes. Do you remember last spring when we talked with Joseph? Oh, yeah. Joseph. Yeah, so we're going to release that interview now, and I want to get a, a little bit of context. TC Talk is mostly you and me, you know? Yes. And I think that is as it is meant to be, yet. Yet. I like to mix things up every now and then. Was that a cocktail joke? Yes. Yes, it was. Now it is. It was on purpose. While we're at it. Last episode, we interviewed a couple folks about vaccine trials. We also spoke with another podcaster in the rhetoric and writing studies technical communication area, Joseph Robert Shaw, who does the podcast of podcasts, where he talks to podcasters. So we were featured on his show. He asked us questions about the origin of our podcast and when he invited us, I thought, you know, we could do kind of a double interview where we ask him about his podcast. And the angle that I wanted to take is looking at podcasting as a form of technical communication. Right? Mm-hmm. So we talked to him about that. We also talked to him about gardening. Yes. And this was back in the spring, so he was just starting. Uh, He was talking about, well, you know. Listen to the interview. But I will say, I asked him for an update, and he sent me lovely photos of his bounty. Aww. And he did, in fact, make his grandpa's pepper relish. Well, that's just swell. And your garden, we... I shouldn't say we, because I had nothing to do with it. You grew tomatoes for the first time successfully. Cherry tomatoes I have found to be harder to screw up. Anyway, you were washing tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes kind of, they don't hit you all at once. They just keep coming and coming and coming and coming until it freezes. You know what was my favorite? What? That they came in different colors. Yes. Yellow, orange, red, purple. It was gorgeous. It was. It was like a rainbow. And that was exactly what the vendor at the farmer's market was thinking would be fun. Also, earlier in the season, I was able to make some tomato chutney. And I threw in goji berries for good measure. And Oh, that's right. Because we've got a goji berry plant. And they're sort of on that line between... They're sort of similar to tomato, kind of between sweet and... Um, it was almost a little spicy. Spicy? Maybe yeah, they're a little bit spicy, bitter, sort maybe? of. I don't know how you describe it, but it is... It is peculiar, for sure. Yeah. And I thought a chutney would be the right kind of peculiar to stick it, it in. It was! Mm-hmm. No, I, it totally blended in. I don't know what else you do with goji berries. Weren't they a superfood <laughs> huh. a while back? Uh, they, in fact, still are a superfood. They're just less trendy now. Ah. Uh. Fun fact, also known as wolfberry. 
Ooh. Possibly because they've got a little bite. <laughs> so, next month we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming of you and me chatting about our respective reading. So doing the interviews has, has bought me some time as I've started the new fall semester, and I've got a lot going on, but I definitely want to keep this up because it forces me out of focusing on just the thing that's right in front of my face. You know, like the fires I have to put out in my email or the mm -hmm. student assignments that need to be graded, that kind of thing. To that end, we're going to continue TC Talk on a monthly basis rather than a bi-weekly basis. Or would it be bi-monthly? Yes. Bi is twice rather than semi-weekly. Oh, right. Maybe? I don't know. We used to do it once a fortnight. Yeah. We'll aim to publish on the fourth Thursday of the month going forward. Barring any disasters, which is a oh. nod to our next episode. Getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Not that it would be the end of the world or anything. <laughs> and with that, on to the interview. We are trying something a little different. Talking with people, not for their academic expertise but because we want to know how techcom operates in daily life. How do people do technical communication? And I define technical communication as communicating specialized information to a variety of audiences in a way that they can use and understand. Given that definition, I see podcasting as a form of technical communication. Do you agree? 1,000%. All right. I, I figured you would. So I'd like to ask you a few questions about your podcast. But Are, are, are you going to... I'm sorry. Were you going to ask him his name? That's exactly where I was going with this. Oh, but you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> we are, we're new to interviewing as well. You can ask him who he is. Hi. Please state your name. My name is Joseph Robert Shaw. I teach uh, technical writing and business writing and uh, technical editing at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And you are also a podcaster. I am. Thinking of podcasts as technical communication, with the podcast of podcasts, what specialized information are you trying to communicate? Um, well, with the podcast of podcasts, I'm trying to communicate to like a couple of different audiences, actually. The first one being myself, because I learn from every guest that I meet about something new that I can do to make my podcast better. I have kind of like this plan to go into several seasons. The first season is all about um, rhetoric and tech com and people who do that sort of podcasting, because I thought, who better to learn podcasting from than people who are professional communicators and educators, right? So eventually I plan to go into other zones and that'll change the nature of the information. Hmm. Right now I'm trying to maybe inspire, maybe just tell um, other um, beginning podcasters or people who are about to begin podcasting or thinking about podcasting 
um, some of the information that they need to gather before they begin. It seems to work really well when my guests tell them all the information and I just ask the question, unlike now. I know that I was absolutely in your target audience. I saw your podcast come out right around the time that we were starting TC Talk. And I thought, oh, I want to hear the behind the scenes of the different ways that people do this. So Mm -hmm. I have personally appreciated that. But it sounds like it emerged out of just a personal interest. Is that right? Yeah. I wanted to know what it was like to do podcasting so that I could teach podcasting. And um, with that in mind, I thought I should find some experts to learn from. And and they're already they're all out there and they're all doing the thing, but then we're just seeing the final product. So I decided that the only way I was going to be able to get that behind the scenes information was to go ask somebody. So that's what I did. And that final product makes it seem so easy. <laughs> it does. And it's not. What choices do you make to communicate your message to your audience? And that might include things like choosing the mode of podcast in the first place, the types of questions you ask, the the tone you aim to strike, anything like that. Well, being a early to mid Gen Xer, I grew up watching shows that were like James Lipton, um, he used to do inside the actor studio. Right. And there was all these late night talk shows and stuff I liked as well. But James Lipton always stuck, stuck out because he kind of stuck to the same set of questions. And I thought if I did that, that would make the answers uh, that my uh, guests give highlight the many ways that we can do this. So it wouldn't be the same answer every time, but it would be the same question every time. And then the various answers give people a lot of different directions they can go. At least that was the hope. Uh, so that was a choice that I made was to kind of stick with that model of asking very similar questions to every guest. That makes sense. You want to show that variety, keeping those questions consistent. Mm-hmm. As you have done more episodes, how has your approach changed, if at all? Well, obviously, I have adopted the things that I've learned from my guests from from show one until now. I've learned a lot of things. Uh, I'm probably going to put together like a bonus episode for this season, sharing some of the best of that, putting it together in a shorter version instead of our normal like half hour, 45 minute version. But yeah, I've I've adopted a lot of the things that my guests have shared as secrets for recording secrets for editing um, a lot of that, that behind the curtain knowledge. So hopefully those choices are coming across in the final product as the podcast matures. What's the best advice that you have heard and applied so far? Um, Audio markers for when we have um, some sort of a, a snafu in the recording or the, in the interview, um, some people will bang on a desk. Some people will clap. Some people will leave a long silence and look, look for the trough in the waveform. Mm. Uh, but, but some sort of a visual marker to make editing easier. We don't do that. We just say, we have to edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Which is also a marker. Oh, there you go. Okay. It's just less visual. Right. And the other one was a bit of advice that you guys actually gave me, but I was already doing it. I'm trying to to do all of my episodes kind of bunched together uh, before 
you know, doing one at a time and, and then releasing it one at a time and releasing it because that is almost a full-time job. So taking the time that I have available to me, just recording a bunch of episodes, I think is what I'm going to be do, doing for next season as well. Mm-hmm. And giving yourself some breathing room then mm-hmm. when it comes time to release those. Yeah. I teach uh, four classes per term and they're all writing intensive classes. So time is at a premium. Um. More general question now, what potential do you think podcasting holds for everyday technical communicators? So that could be scientists, teachers, medical professionals, students, even hobbyists. It doesn't need to be you know, a traditionally technical area. Um, so what potential does podcasting hold for those people to convey their messages to a variety of audiences? That's a really good question. Um, something that I'm looking at right now, I'm writing a, a paper or two um, about it. Um, I'm really like to follow this group of folks on YouTube called Homesteaders. Uh, they're um, really interesting. Everything that they do, I'm sort of uh, hanging on every word. Um, they do a lot of vlogging and um, they started out, in fact, blogging. Uh, and But now there's some doing podcasts as well. So this is one example where a community has formed around the communication and the electronic communication with really wide uh, dissemination um, possibilities. And I think that the place is is sharing things that some of the things that they talk about on that show were almost lost knowledge and they're bringing some of that stuff back. And then even some of it is um, new tweaks on an, on an old no- uh, bit of knowledge. So they're bringing these things back and they're augmenting them and they're carrying them into the future so that we don't lose who we are, where we came from. So there's kind of an eye to the future there, but there's also um, a line into the past so we can kind of center ourselves and and form an entire community around these modes of communication, both the video vlogging and the, um, they have different... Just like, in fact, that's probably going to be my next season if I can talk enough of them into doing episodes with me, is to talk about the activism of homesteading. And so recruiting is a potential thing that podcasts can do, forming the community, and also anchoring us to our past. And those are just just, just off the top of my head. And you must know Benton is in his element right now as you're talking about it. <laughs> no, I had no idea. No. You said homesteading, and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> So what was the channel again? Or is it just a general? Kind of a general. Uh, I first started watching them when I ran into... um, Oh, now I'm going to geek out here for a moment, if you don't mind. Please. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) Joel Salatin, um, I ran into him on a movie, Food, Inc., and then there were other movies. So they they did documentaries and put them in video forms, put them out on different um, like Netflix and Amazon and things like that. So that's where I first saw them. And then around that community, they they organically started using podcasting and vlogging and other things. So then Justin uh, Rhodes is where I went for the next solid one I could hold on to because he was there all the time and kept coming back week after week with new episodes. And then there are probably a dozen more, um, the fit farmer being one, um, uh, Mike Dixon, 
So the Land is also one of my favorites. Um, Art and Brie. And who else is there in there? There's so many. I, I can't name them all now. And I, I would leave someone out and then they would be like really upset and not do interviews with me. So. And what is it about the podcasting? What does in that space, what does a podcast do that say a blog post could not? Well, this I actually learned from my son. Um, I can, I could walk around the block and listen to a podcast where I couldn't do that with my television. Um, I could, uh, ride a bike. I could ride a bus. I could go out in my garden and, and, uh, turn over some compost. And, um, I could do that with some headphones on and still listen to the, the podcast so I can, um, occupy my intellect while my body's doing other things. Makes washing dishes so much more enjoyable. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really think of it like a download though. I mean, I don't, uh, commit to memory everything that that they say but i kind of get uh support i think from that particular mm. group and there's something about the voice too hearing people talk that give you a window into who they are that you might not otherwise get this is a something i just recently learned from a music professor that um hearing the sound of another person's voice is as close as you can possibly be because the sound of their voice and the actual thing that they're producing is going inside your body and vibrating your eardrum, right? So it's actually without actually physically touching skin to skin. um, It's the closest you can be to another person. And now we can, we can do that almost teleporting now with, with podcasts. And that's the other thing that podcasts are. Um, and I don't know if we're going to be able to find a way to preserve them long enough, but just like writing, it's time travel for thoughts, which I really enjoy that idea that I can, I can speak into a page or into a microphone and then like months and years later, somebody else could dig that up and my ideas come out or somebody's ideas come out again. Oh man, that was back before this catastrophe. Those times. And I didn't realize that you did so much teaching around podcasts. So thinking of students doing podcasting as technical communication, how have you approached that? What kinds of work have they produced? Hmm. I think they use that as social communication more than technical communication um, because of the particular class, I think the way that was structured, it was, um, a lot of, uh, creative writing majors and things like that. So they're, they're using that techne for the purpose of communicating emotion and communicating social awareness and things like that. Um, yeah, so that, that might not be the answer you're looking for because I don't think I've had any do strictly technical subjects, although, I'm always open to that. <laughs> Let them do that if they want to. Either way, there's there needs to be that careful consideration of audience, whether it's we're creative or we're scientific. Mm-hmm. That, as a teacher, I think is the very first thing I try to impress on all of my students and all of my classes because it's the hardest thing to get them to shake that I'm not the audience for the thing that they're making, whatever they're making. It's actually someone else, and they have to find out who that is so that they can mm-hmm. best communicate to them. 
Before we get to the fun, you know, the funnest question, is there anything else you want to let us know about uh, the work you do in podcasting to technically communicate? What have we missed? Mm -hmm. Good question. I, I don't really consider it work. I, I consider it almost historiography, the way that I've undertaken this particular podcast, because I'm hoping to get folks uh, interested in producing instead of just being consumers. And I think that that probably goes uh, beyond podcasting, but definitely with, with podcasting as well. I like that. I realized when I started podcasting, hey, I'm a creator. It's a, you shift into a different mode. You're putting things out into the world versus just consuming and analyzing and pushing students to do that as well. I personally have had waxing and waning of creator versus consumer. You know, I'll get to a point where I'm like, ugh, I'm just watching so many shows and I'm not creating anything. And it's, what am I doing here? And, you know, then I'll, I'll have a push of like trying to, trying to come up with uh, a board game or a this or a that that I want to create. And then I'll hmm. peter out a few weeks. In and... Your building project. <laughs> your... Uh, my building projects. Although the last one. That closet is amazing. That I. The shelving yes. impeccable. If we took all of the stuff that we've put in there out of it now, it'd be almost Instagram worthy. Yeah, we forgot to do the before and after. That's true. We are off topic. Benton. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. It's true. <laughs> I am here to make sure that your plans do not go linear. That That is exactly what happens. I come in with my nice, neat outline, and then we're talking about shelving. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the fun question. Um, we'd like you to teach us as non-experts, a fun fact, definition, or process you find interesting about a hobby of yours. Assuming you have hobbies, which, you know, I think it's fair to assume. <laughs> yeah, it would be fair to assume because I have every hobby and <laughs> I, I really am, um, I enjoy all the things. Um, everything that there is to do, I've probably been passionate about it at one time or another. I guess two of my favorite things that are like not work stuff uh, are probably gardening and cooking. So which of the two would you rather hear? They sound interrelated, in fact. Yeah, everything's related. <laughs> we we really do like to uh, try to grow what we can here. Uh, we've got a little less than an acre. But we like to try to grow whatever we can here and bring it in. And it's just, it does, it's quantitatively different food than you find in the supermarket. It tastes different. It acts different. It looks different. Um, and uh, it's a lot, a lot more satisfying, I think, to, to grow your own stuff, bring it in and cook it up and serve it to the family. Do you plant seeds yourself? Uh, like plant them indoors or... Gosh, Alabama. I suppose maybe you don't have to worry about frost. Um, yeah, actually, we do. We are um, in the very north of Alabama. We're about 10, 15 miles or so from maybe 20 miles from the Tennessee border. So we do get a little bit. We got a couple inches of snow the other day when y'all were buried. Um, <laughs> so um, we have a little 
a little greenhouse. It's not heated or anything. It's just a little plastic and and uh, metal frame greenhouse. So we use that to start seeds. We're just about to do that now. Um, another way that we do this is to put seeds in the ground. And I have built raised beds. When we bought the house, there were three long rows. So we divided those into six long raised beds and then added six more raised beds. And now we have some more, uh, a patch uh, that we dug up in the middle of the yard. And the neighbors are looking at us like we're crazy, but we we're, we like it anyway. Um, so, and then of course we're planting trees and bushes and things all over the place too. Anything that will give us food. Um, and you couldn't tell by looking at me, but I do like to eat food as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that we do with those raised beds though, is we'll take, um, seeds, put them in the ground, uh, even just before the last frost. And then we'll put plastic over top of that, staple it down to the wood. And then when we staple that to the wood, it creates a mini little greenhouse effect. And then by the time we get past the last frost, we can pull that off. And then we've got little sprouts going on in there. So most of the root vegetables need a little while to grow. So we do that with those. Um, currently, I have two, three kinds of radishes going on. Um, then some lettuce and some turnips and some carrots and some peas. And you know, we've it's early in the season, but we're, we're working on it. That's what I'm supposed to be doing during this spring break. Yeah. That kind of reminds you of the, the stuff you got to start setting up. Uh, yes, I was, I was very ambitious in starting things indoors last year and I had, um, innumerable cut apart milk jugs that were mm-hmm. with holes drilled in them for drainage and I don't know. I would say that maybe like 60% of the stuff sprouted up and then it died before I could get it in the ground mm-hmm. because that started a little too early. Uh, but So much trial and error. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and adaptation. When, when something goes wrong, then you, you go find somebody who's got some starts <laughs> and you, you either buy some or borrow some from them. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's gardening. That's what happens. You can never tell what's going to happen, so you just adapt when something does. What's a favorite dish that you cook from vegetables that you've harvested yourself? Hmm. I know it's hard to get them all out of the ground at the same time. Yeah, it is. Um, I I do um, have one that I want to make. Uh, that my grandpa's recipe of uh, re- pepper relish. He made a a pepper relish that has three kinds of bell peppers and some onions. And um, let's see what else was in there. One, one jalapeno pepper in the whole batch. So um, that is something I'm aiming for this year, but it's for some reason, it's very hard for me to grow peppers. Um, Okay. It's very hard for me to grow bell peppers. I can grow as many hot peppers as you want. Peppers are finicky. We have not been able to get any successful peppers, Mm -hmm. but that, that, pepper relish sounds delicious i hope you get a chance to make it so do i um, i've been out for a couple years now <laughs> well it was lovely to talk to you joseph and thank you so much for sharing about your podcasting and your gardening and how you communicate about those thanks it's been a joy